Hello and welcome back to another episode of First Generation Bowhunter. I am your host and a first generation bowhunter just like you. My name is Adam Buchanan and if you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing. We've always got interviews, got interesting tips to help you decrease the amount of time it takes to learn how to bow hunt. Lots of great stories, gear recommendations. So tune in. You are in the right place. And please consider sharing a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And always check in on our Q&As and polls on Spotify. Love to hear your feedback and get your opinion on all things bow hunting. Episode 39, this one is dedicated to turkey hunting. I just came off two turkey hunts with a bow. And I wanted to share a few things that I think people could consider on their next few turkey hunts. And I think it's really a great opportunity to try a different type of game with a bow where the target isn't too small, but it's definitely a lot more challenging. And in your area, you might find that turkey hunting is accessible. It might be in between like a big game hunt, but you're still want to get out there. That's one thing that really drew me to turkey hunting. It's awesome because if your big game season ends or it hasn't started yet, chances are turkey is available. So that is a great option and it gets you out more. So I am pretty amped on turkey hunting. It is, it's fun. It's challenging. It's opportunistic. And, uh, yeah, so let's dive in. Well, first off, my son came out with me and my friend and his son came out to one area we had access to. This was a a bit tricky because we had to wait for the turkeys to come into the area that we were hunting because we were on private land and they would not leave the other yard and come over to us despite our best efforts. So I'm going to talk about that hunt and then I'm going to talk about another one where I recently actually took a turkey and I was successful, which is pretty cool. So I'm going to walk you through those two hunts, what went well, what didn't, and some things to keep in mind as you're as you're doing turkey hunting first hunt it was an awesome clear morning definitely super brisk we went to the wasatch back so if you're familiar with salt lake if you fly into salt lake international airport you're looking at the wasatch front you go behind those mountains that's called the wasatch back so we were back there and anytime you go back there it's nice because the temperatures are always cooler the weather is a lot different than the Wasatch Front generally, especially as we're like switching seasons. And so that's something I always try to watch for because as temperatures drop, generally animals are moving around a little bit more and it kind of shakes up their world, even even turkeys. So the one thing I will say about turkey is they are kind of unpredictable. It's It's something where, you know, we've been talking to neighbors up there and they're like, every morning they're passing through the yard you know that's kind of their habit but they still can be kind of unpredictable in certain areas especially like i've had public land tags for turkey and that's when i say turkeys sometimes are opportunistic where you might be on a deer hunt that overlaps with a turkey hunt and i've had turkeys just like cross my path and luckily i had a turkey tag in my pocket so i was like oh take a turkey you know it's 11 o'clock in the in the morning I'm done with my deer hunt and bring a turkey home. So that's 
a little bit tricky with turkey though um, especially like if you're not hunting on public land in this case we were so we understood the habits a little bit more but still they're <laughs> they're tricky i mean they're they're unpredictable it's like they're really smart and they've got good eyesight but they're also not super loyal to an area they're just random turkeys are random but i'll tell you what turkey tastes amazing it is one of the best things to put on the smoker I'm a huge fan. It's so different than store-bought turkey. It is wild how how different it is. It's super, super um, different. So that is the drive for turkey. I have not ground it up, though, yet. I want to try grounding it up and, and doing the, the turkey jerky because, hey, you know, it's <laughs> it's fun to say. All right. Through on this hunt, it's cold, it's chilly. I'm loving the conditions, clear day. We get there and it doesn't take five minutes. We start hearing, you know, them chirping. Didn't hear gobbles per se, but we definitely could hear the, you know, kind of the whiny uh, 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 kind of thing. And so we get excited. My buddy sets us up where it's almost similar to like an elk hunt a little bit. Like we set him up about 20 feet behind my son. So he was chirping back and my son had his bow. They were using shotguns and it was either or, and we're, we're kind of sticking with bows right now. I obviously, I mean, that's, that's what I'd prefer. That's kind of my default. He was backed up probably 20 feet. And then we were planning on the, the turkeys to kind of come, come through that area. And then my son could, you know, take a shot. And so he was chirping for quite a while and it can be a little variable in some ways. The reason why I say it's a little like elk is because you kind of talk to them back and forth. Like they'll kind of have a certain pace, like, er, 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 you know, and you pause and then maybe you kind of mimic that. I'm still learning Turkey a little bit, but that's one thing he kind of taught me is you kind of bounce back and forth. And if they pause for a while, you can pause for a while and then when they start back up again, you start back up again. Elk, I think, is way more complicated because there's so many different tones. There's different languages. There's different meanings and messages. I think turkey is like, hey, I'm over here. Oh, you're over there? Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm oversimplifying it probably. Probably get some turkey like biologist who's going to like destroy me on social media. Um, if you do destroy me on social media, just make sure to get my Instagram correct. It's Adam underscore buchanan that'd be great thank you thank you i look forward to destroy destroying this so that was cool to learn from him he had the little wooden collar uh where it's almost kind of like a large switchblade and you kind of open it and it makes the squeak sound so i was walking kind of back and forth kind of checking spotting a little bit they were about 100 yards away in some pretty thick trees the thing that was killing me though, and the, we're in this guy's backyard and it's probably three or four acres. So it's good enough. We're far away from the house, but we can still see the backyards of the houses and the back decks and stuff. <laughs> this is where things got a little, you know, frustrating, I guess. So the next door neighbor to our West was like out in their backyard, like feeding the turkeys out of their back step. And the neighbors had told us that before. They're like, dude, we got neighbors who like feed the turkeys. 
So we're kind of like, well, that's good, but it's also not good because they're going to like stay over there. Why would they come over here? You know, they're getting fed. So that was in play. <laughs> kind of a funny little minor detail. I'm not kidding. They had like 25 turkeys back there, just all huddled around having a little, you know, mid-morning brunch. And we start calling and they started to take off towards the back woods. And we're hoping they would cut across this little goalie and then come our way. Man, they would not. They, they, they did leave finally. But they just went to the goalie and just kind of went other places where they're probably getting fed out the back door. Uh, so kind of a struggle there. The other thing that was really a struggle was those neighbors, like the turkey feeders, and I'm thinking they're pro turkey, right? They're, they're team turkey. They had the sprinklers on in their backyard, but it wasn't their yard. It was like down the goalie in this kind of weird wooded area. And the sprinklers were on for like an hour. And here in Utah, I mean, we're, we're obviously in a drought. People are watching their water. Not that I am super concerned. I mean, I'm watching my water. I'm trying to follow the rules. But I'm sitting here watching these sprinklers sprinkle this like glade area that's like naturally pretty wet. Not a marsh per se, but darn close. And they're just like watering like crazy. And we're thinking, and I'm thinking like, well, let's just stay in position. Let's keep calling. Once those sprinklers turn off, I think those things are going to come full on and they would like they would get close to the other side of the sprinklers and then i think they're like heck no i'm not gonna walk through sprinklers like i don't like you that much right that was tricky that i think really kind of messed up our our morning hunt we also couldn't sit there for you know four hours i think we hunted we we sat there for probably a good hour and a half i had to go i had to I had a mountain bike competition later that day so I had to peace out, but I'm, I really think if those sprinklers weren't in play, I honestly think we could have called them in, but that was the only way. And they weren't going to go around them because it was too wooded and too, you know, but it was it, either way. It was really fun to see that as we were calling, they could hear over those sprinklers. They were wanting to come over. They just couldn't figure out how to get over there. And I'm telling you though, man, if those sprinklers just would have gotten turned off, that would have been really, really cool. Good learning though. I, I think there's just some things out of your control. And like I've always said, you can plan a hunt, but that plan can not go to plan pretty darn quick. You always think like, oh, it's going to be perfect. Like we're super optimistic, but you can't control a neighbor watering their random glade yard. Kind of a bummer, bummer. I want land one day. I seriously do. Cause I, I love Turkey. I think it's just it's exhilarating, you know, the sounds and how they move and they move in these big herds, you know, flocks. Sorry. I'm in deer mode. Yeah. Really, really fun. And my son was stoked too. I mean, he sat there, he stuck it out and it was pretty chilly and it's hard too, because one thing I wish I would have brought was like better gloves, better hat for him. I was okay. I was kind of moving around. Hand warmers would have been nice. That that's a good one for Turkey. Um, because you are sitting for me in deer. I don't do a lot of blinds. I don't do a lot of sitting and waiting. I'm more of a, you know, movement type of hunter. I like to, 
or still hunting. Still hunting is where you're moving very, very slow. And I, I like to be proactive when I hunt. I like to go after them. Yeah, it was it was a cool little hunt though. My my son was just happy to be out. You know, it's like I think I pulled him out of school. Oh, I did pull him out of school. So he definitely was super happy. So that's that's been cool to see that transition in my own family too, where if kids are getting pulled out of school to go hunting, they, they think it's like a really cool treat. Another incentivized strategy for, uh, yeah, get these kids out hunting. Um, that's really it with that, huh? Oh, the other thing I was going to say with that one was I didn't have my turkey call or my turkey read, my mouth call. So I kind of threw a Hail Mary out and I had my elk call with me, one of my cow calls. I was like, I wonder if I can mimic that turkey sound with that. And so I tried and it worked pretty well. I, I was nervous because I didn't want to mess up the hunt, but I put it in my mouth and I was chirping and it, it was kind of cool to see how they reacted. You know, it caught their attention. The sprinklers were just really the killer for us. They, they were not going to walk through that, but yeah, if you've got a mouth read, practice a little bit and just see if that will actually kind of mimic uh, another sound that you want. Not ideal. I do have turkey reeds. I cannot find them worth the life of me, so I might be making a purchase for those. But yeah, I I whipped out an elk call and and just made it really really short short and just and kind of worked. Darn sprinklers. I really think my son was going to get one though cuz they were they were 100 yards away. I'm like watching them. They're having a freaking tea party next door chilling watching netflix seriously it was funny because they're on the back deck and they're like i'm like oh my gosh they're just probably gonna look through your window watch like stranger things with you wild that was it for that hunt um as we drove home man we we followed so many different properties and oh gosh i think we saw two 300 turkeys on the drive home it was bonkers like that area is so full but it's all private so you've got to get written permission there and so we were fortunate to have that the next hunt this was just two days ago this was a funny hunt because i you know i'm in deer now still turkey they're kind of overlapping and oh i don't know i i Anyway, I, I woke up one day. I was I was having a terrible day. I'll just say that. I was having a really, really bad day. Things at my day job were kind of a little bit stressful, causing some anxiety. It's about 11 o'clock, and I normally never go out that late. I never, ever go out past, you know. I like to get out there. If I'm going to do a morning hunt, I like to get out there early. So my thought was, you know, I'm just going to go out. I just need to go sit. I need to take my bow, go sit. Just be there. I don't care if I see anything, but I'm just going to go. It was funny how that was my goal. That was my <laughs> definition of success. So I go out and it's a gorgeous day. Oh my gosh, the colors right now, the fall colors. Oh, the pinks are just exploding right now. The other thing I liked about going out to midday was not a lot of people. Uh, I probably rolled up to the trailhead at like 1130 getting to my spot around noon 
just no one there. And I could kind of test out some different trails that I've been wanting to do with the e-bike, understanding what it can do, you know, the inclines and, you know, man, I found this whole new trail that I can do now. And it, it gets me in a little bit higher up, up the ridge that, that I normally have. And so it's kind of fun, you know, it's, it's cool that you go out hunting and you're not only just trying to kill something, but you have other opportunities as well. So I'm out there. And one thing that surprised me was I was getting in this area that I, I've hunted pretty frequently and bam, I bumped three does just out of nowhere. And I kind of expected that because where I'm at is really, really thick. They're definitely going to be bedded down in there. And, and uh, you know, I, I saw that happen and I was like, oh, cool. You know, they're here. I'm here. It's fine. So I kind of trekked around a little bit and did a lot of sitting, did a lot of thinking and just, just had a really good time. And again, I, I just like interacting, you know, it's not just about flinging arrows and stuff. Well, it's getting to a point where there was a deer that was kind of slipping through the woods near me, probably 40, 50 yards. And it's pretty thick, which I like in some ways because it's easy to hide. It's hard in some ways because your shot opportunities are terrible. And I was really watching the wind. And that's one thing I've really tried to improve upon is my, my skills with wind detection. So if, if that's something that you haven't done a whole lot of, make sure you're just puffing that, that dust constantly. It may feel excessive, but one thing I'm really surprised about is I'll get kind of turned around a little bit, doing a new area, going up, down, whatever. And the wind, the amount of changes it makes is surprising. So it may feel excessive when you're doing it every few minutes. It is so, so important. And that was one thing too. And I was walking into an area the other day, my wind was bad, right? It was carrying my scent right in front of me. And it, it was cool because obviously that works and the deer could smell me and they, they booked out. That's kind of what bumped them. But it's also interesting how when the wind is in your favor, you can get in pretty close. It, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool there. So that's what happened to me. There was this deer slipping in and my, the, the wind was just right and didn't get a shot. There's no shot opportunity, but I loved, I think that's part of the thrill of hunting is being in there and really, you know, being in their space and them not knowing and how do you navigate things? How do you kind of, you know, move 10 feet and not be super loud. The other thing that I've prepared in this area is whenever I go out and I'm not really dying to hunt or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I call it more like maintenance, I guess, like for the trails and stuff that I'm walking through all those dead, crunchy, loud, obnoxious, crazy leaves that I'm walking over. I'll move them off the trail and it's loud. It's really loud but it pays off when I'm trying to be quiet because like weeks later I can go back and it's amazing how I've kind of cleared these trails and I can walk a lot quieter because I'm just on dirt. If that's something that's kind of bothering you as you're going out to public land or someplace frequently, take a little time. Maybe you're headed out for the night or the afternoon. Just take out those loud gnarly leaves and kind of create yourself a little trail system and that's what i've done in this area is i kind of have my flow because i know how the deer move and 
I base it off of temperature and moon and all these things. And now I have this cool trail system that I can work within and I'm invested in there, you know. Uh, I've even gone to the point where in the summers I'll go trim some branches for like more shooting lanes, but also for letting more sunlight into the lower areas like to create more food down below. After two years of doing that, it's actually been pretty beneficial. Like it's actually kind of helped the habitat. I think that's another thing you don't hear from bow hunters a whole lot is, or hunters in general, we really care about a whole lot more than what it seems like. And that that's something really fun for you to do too, as you are getting into more bow hunting, is that there's more to it than just flinging arrows. And so a little bit of a tangent there, but I, I really am, you know, I, I really think that's important. And it, it's been fun too. I mean, you really invest into the area. It's great. So the deer kind of, you know, obviously it's one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, not much action. Okay. No surprise there. I, w I didn't have any expectations. I was kind of heading back and I was kind of wrapping up. And then all of a sudden I heard a ton of noise. I was like, oh, that's a deer, right? Couldn't see it, but heard a ton of noise. And I'm getting in closer, getting in closer. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like this could be a shot opportunity, right? So I'm, I'm moving towards and just nothing, nothing really happening. All of a sudden it gets really loud and like, sounds like there's a herd of deer. Well, it's not deer, it's turkey. <laughs> and I really listened close and I could hear the chirping and I was like, oh, sweet. Like, this is great, you know? And um, so pretty cool. And I was like, oh, so the cool thing about turkey is you can, in this type of stage where you're not in a blind, you're kind of moving, you can go in after them. And again, that's why I say it's it's pretty opportunistic. I've done this few, yeah, a few years ago I did this. Um, I spotted some turkey from really, really far away. And I was able to get in within 20 yards. You know, they're, in some ways, like when they're all in, in a flock together, like it's almost like they're distracted. They're kind of, you know, so busy that they can't really watch you. So it's, it's kind of cool. You know, it's hard though, because the timing has to line up with the tags and the season and, and all of that. So anyway, I'm kind of going in after them and it's just like, Oh, this, this is happening. And finally I spotted them and they were kind of down a hill for me. And I was like, Oh man, it's hard because when there's no background of, you know, I, I don't like shooting against, um, when they're on top of like a, uh, not a structure, but like a little hill, there's no background behind them. So I had to kind of reposition a little bit. And it was good that I did. I had that time. I had that kind of permission because they were just so busy. There's so many of them. And so it was pretty cool. And I was getting in there. And they're just bopping around. I mean, gosh, probably 25 of them. It was just, it was, yeah, they're having like a little parent-teacher conference or something. And anyway, was able to get a shot off at like 20 yards. Got a turkey. It's pretty awesome. I did pull out my elk call and I was doing the chirping and it, it kind of worked. It kind of distract them a little bit. Um, and it's also nice too, because when you're walking and this was like really crunchy leaves, super loud, really crunchy. 
you can kind of throw out that call, even if it's not perfect, but it kind of distracts them a little bit. And then you can kind of get into a good position. Camo wise, you know, their eyesight is their strong point. So camo is really important. I have never to date gotten to the face paint stuff. I know a lot of people that do. I know that's really big for sitting and, and kind of waiting for them to come in, maybe on a feeder or something or a decoy. So I didn't do that. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting how that opportunity just kind of came out of nowhere. But I went in after them. And that's one thing you can do with turkey. Don't be afraid to, to get in there. I, I think early on in my hunting, I was so afraid to go in after something. And I found that all my shot opportunities, really a lot of them have come because I went in and you shouldn't be afraid to go in. Now, the wind is a major factor. You want to watch for that. You want to watch for, you know, yeah, your wind, your scent, sound. But it's possible. You can go in. Go go get it. So really fun. The other hard part, too, with turkey, I feel like. Uh, I did find my arrow, actually. That was – but normally – Depending on the area, it is it is difficult to find the arrow. I've I've lost a few arrows, you know, for for deer shots and missed shots and things. Um, yeah, I don't love leaving arrows out in the field. I honestly, it kind of keeps me up at night. I've got a metal detector actually, and I've actually gone back to areas that I think the arrow's in, and I've recovered them like weeks or months later. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, it's, it's not super comforting to think like, you know, your arrows lying around out there, especially like the crazy broadheads we're putting on arrows these days. The other thought, the other thought process too, with losing arrows, if you just really can't find it, you might, it might've just sunk into the dirt really deep, hopefully, and no one's going to come by and step on it. Uh, especially let's say you're a 20, 30 yard shot. You know, if you're if you're pulling some serious poundage, that arrow is going to be really deep in there. Uh, so, again, I like to go back when I'm like not in hunt mode. I'll go bring my Gigantor metal detector. That's my wife's, and I'll try to go find stuff. Fun little activity, right? In between hunts, let's go metal detecting for arrows. It's so hard too. I mean, how much you're in on arrows? <laughs> it's they're not fun to lose. They're fun to find though. I'll tell you that's always comforting other than that with turkey it is a really small target i mean you want to go for the biggest part of the turkey little you know below the neck try to get those vitals it, not you know i would say 20 yards is a really good amount of um, distance for you to start with now there was a time many years ago i shot a turkey at 60 yards and but the thing was, I was so, so comfortable at long distances that I felt amazing at that shot. I, I really did. I felt really comfortable with it. And so you might hear that and be like, oh my gosh, I would never take that shot. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, well, I did and it worked. And, and I, you know, the bird was down in no time. But if you're really getting started, you're maybe in your first or second or third season, you're, 
you know, haven't had a lot of shot opportunities. I don't know. Watch, watch how the arrows are flying. And that goes back to ranking your arrows. And again, yes, I felt comfortable because I practice and I'm making good shots, but I also, I had my arrows memorized and I had them numbered. So I would see like the number one, number two, and they're all ranked. Like I grade my arrows of how well they fly per where I'm trying to hit on the target. So ranking arrows is really key. I think that's something you probably want to spend some time on if you're going to get into turkey. You know, really fine tune that 20, 30 yard and make sure you're not fudging with your sight so much. You're more worried about your form, getting your form dialed and also knock tuning, making sure that your your arrow is tuned the, the best it can. Pretty, pretty cool though. The broadhead I actually used, if you're curious, I was using my Striker 4X uh, broadhead that I use for deer for turkey. Uh, you can use like an expandable. Expandables are nice because you, you know, you don't have to do a ton of damage. Um, you got to hit them in the right place, but I, I do like expandables. There is a turkey specific expandable by Rage. It's a turkey broadhead. And it's got these crazy claw-looking things. It's got super long expandable blades that come out. You know, so so they are out there. I just, again, at that short of a distance, I felt pretty good about it. I, I don't have any hesitation of shooting my my little Striker X, and and it worked great. I mean, it was turkey was down, no problem. Pretty pretty fun there. Great opportunity to kind of get into some other game, and you know, try something else between the big game stuff. The other one that I've wanted to do that I'm going to do, I think here in the first week of November, it opens is pheasant. I've got this really cool area behind my house. There's a public easement to a major like waterfowl hunting area and upland pheasant is just, I think it's cool. I've, I mean, it tastes amazing. The other thing I like about pheasant, I do like to fly fish. So I like the idea of using all the parts of the animal. So pheasant has some of the best feathers on it. You can use it in so many different patterns for fly fishing. I really like that. I, if you know anything about me, I am a beekeeper. At one point I was reloading my own ammo. I haven't done that for many years. It's a complicated deal. Um, so I got out of that, but I like that homesteady type you know, vibe. I, I think it's important that we learn these skills. And so it's good times, good times. And I did just harvest honey a couple weeks ago and it tastes amazing. We didn't get as much as we normally do. Kind of a rough summer. Gosh, dang. So nuts. Well, that's all things turkey hunting. That's kind of what I know there. And like I said, it's fun. It, it, it's a thrill. It really is. And I, I like it too, because when they are traveling in those flocks and the amount that they're in, you kind of have more opportunities. There has been times where I've been turkey hunting. I've shot, missed. They, they kind of bump a little bit, but they only go like 10 feet, right? They're not eagles. They're not flying off. So that's pretty cool depending on the area. If they, they get into some thick stuff, you're done. But yeah, in those wide open areas, you can get a few different you know, shot opportunities, which is, which is great. Let me know if you've tried turkey hunting, drop me a line, Adam underscore Buchanan. Really, really good time out there. Super 
fun. Man, I love turkey. So good. And it tastes, like I said, man, it tastes so good. And a little bit smaller, I'd say. Um, you know, they're not injected with gnarly hormones. And they don't get so fat that they're breaking their legs. Sorry, sorry. I'm just getting a little food, political, societal right now. Um, but yeah, you, you'll notice a difference. I've fed it to my family multiple times now. And they're like, whoa, that is so good. I'd say for Thanksgiving dinner for a family of six, you probably need two solid wild turkeys. I, I would I would guess to me. Looking at the size of mine in the freezer right now, I'm like, yeah, yeah, probably. All right, well, that's it for me. Thanks so much for tuning in on episode 39, All Things Turkey Hunting with Bo. We will uh, catch you next time.